This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, we turn from the politics of medicine to doctor on call. A stroke is a brain attack, and it can happen to anyone at any time. It occurs when blood flow to an area of the brain is cut off, and there's a very short window for getting to the hospital and getting the treatment to reverse the damage. Do you know the signs of stroke? Fight Back's resident medical expert, Dr. Zach Levine, joins us to discuss this. He'll also be taking your calls with your questions. So before we go to Zach, the numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Hi, Zach. Thanks for joining us. Well, hi. Thanks a lot for having me. So what should people know about stroke and the onset of stroke? Well, one thing, well, there's a bunch of things people should know. I mean, hopefully, and I think probably people do know how, uh, how serious a stroke is. And so uh, it being a leading cause of serious long-term disability, it being in the top three leading causes of death, uh, and it being quite, uh, quite common. As we know, heart and stroke disease is the number one killer of Canadians. So uh, what I think the important thing is, and it, people are learning more and more, is what the symptoms and signs of stroke are, and if you have any of them, to, to get to the hospital. So the most common ones that are sort of uh, more straightforward to, to know, actually the, I know that the Heart and Stroke Foundation has a, has a mnemonic, which is FAST, which is the, stro- the sign of the stroke, which is, makes it, perhaps makes it easier to remember. So F is for face. Is there a facial droop? Usually on one side. Arms, uh, A being arms. Can you raise both arms? S being speech, if there's any slurred speech or jumbled speech. And their, their T is time, meaning call 911 right away, because just as you said, if, if the person is a candidate for thrombolysis, which is that clot-busting therapy, uh, which is when there's, when there's a, a big blockage to a main artery in the brain that's causing death of that area of the brain, then they really need to get to the hospital as quickly as possible, because the longer you wait, the, the less effective, and also the more uh, the side effects and the dangerous effects of the clot-busting medication become. So there's not necessarily, I know some people say they have a terrible headache, but there's not necessarily any pain, is there? No, exactly. And that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons I think, I think some people may delay going to the hospital. The, the majority of time, actually, there's no pain. That stroke can be either from a blockage, which is more common, it's about 80% of the strokes, or from uh, bleeding, which is 20%. And in, in either case, the, the, the common final pathway is that you're not getting effective blood supply to an area. Now, if you have a bleed, that's more likely to cause a headache, a severe headache, nausea, vomiting, loss of consciousness, that sort of thing. But if you have a blockage, which is 80% of strokes, usually there's no pain associated, just these symptoms, which if you don't know what they are, they, you know, they're, I think they're alarming to everyone. People might think, uh, they, now they can be associated, sometimes people have these weird neurological symptoms with migraine, and so they may, they may just say, oh, you know, these are migraine symptoms, but... But don't, you know, it's never safe to, if you're having weakness or numbness on one side of your body, difficulty speaking, 
difficulty controlling your movements, visual problems, or, or a new severe vertigo, meaning spinning, uh, you can't assume it's anything benign. You have to get to medical attention right away. Okay, yeah. It, it, are the symptoms of stroke different for men and for women? They, yeah, that's a great question. And when they, when they study them, in general, no, because unlike uh, heart attack, where they, are, they can be quite different and sort of the classic symptoms are... Um, uh, the classic symptoms are the symptoms in men. You know, the classic symptoms that we're taught in medical school are the symptoms in men. Uh, in stroke, on the other hand, it's really based on the part of the brain that controls that neurologic uh, function. So uh, weakness of an arm, for example, uh, that sort of thing is, an ex- is experienced the exact same way between men and women. I can tell you that men, um, men uh, up until about the age of 60, men experience more strokes, and then women, unfortunately, catch up. Um, but women have a very high, uh, high, mor- high morbidity and high mortality from strokes. And some of the things that increase risk are um, hormonal therapy and uh, during childbirth there's a high risk. And also uh, once, you're, once you've entered into menopause, your risk catches up with uh, men in terms of stroke risk. Okay, so we catch up with them and some of the symptoms are the same and some of the symptoms are not. Yeah, for the for the most part, they are the same. I mean, there isn't uh, women experience typically like like I said for heart attack, the symptoms are somewhat different because it's it's more of a subjective feeling. Whereas in stroke, uh, women and men tend to present the same way. So if they have weakness of one side of the body or numbness, or dizziness, visual disturbance, speech disturbance, all those things are pretty much the same whether it be in in men or women. And there is some evidence that women still. Uh, de- are delayed a little bit in coming to medical attention. Maybe they, uh, m- I don't know, maybe they're more, uh, more likely to say, oh, it's nothing. I don't know, but uh, it's something that hopefully is improving as, as we get more education out there. Okay, Zach, uh, let's take a call from Philip in Markham. Philip, we're listening. Hi. Oh, hi, Liu. How about you? Fine. How are um, you? Thank you for taking my call. I'm, I'm going to say once a couple of suggestions. Because I, I'm with the doctors, I'm supporting the doctors. I've been going for, to the same family doctor since 1977, and he, I thank him because he saved my life. Mm. I turned 60, he sent me for colonoscopy. I was stage three. Thank God I'm for, the, for the specialist, and I'm still here to, to support the doctors. And, and uh, right. we're talking about uh, stroke now, Philip. Are, yes, are you aware of, of the uh, signs and symptoms of a stroke? Well, so, so far, I have, no, I have no any problems with any, any stuff with my heart or with anything of that. But the only thing problem I had was the family colon cancer stage 3 back 10 years ago, and I'm still survivor. And so I'm, and I'm, Good for I'm, you. I'm, I'm thanking the doctors and my family doctor. And the specialist, the Scarborough General Hospital, and my cardinal Lawrence. That's what I've done. My chemo and everything, seven months. Okay. And I'm doing good. And thank, I'm supporting the doctors. 100%. Okay. Thanks for your call. Thank you very much for but, listening to me. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. I'm on the line with Dr. Zachary Levine, our house doctor, we are talking about stroke. Uh, Zach, tell me um, a little bit about which stroke patients would be eligible for this clot-busting therapy and how quickly you have to get it. So in general, 
um, one of the uh, the criteria for who is eligible for it uh, are basically anyone who hasn't had uh, re- anything that could could has a high risk of bleeding. So if you've had a recent surgery, uh, especially a recent brain surgery, it wouldn't be a good idea. If um, if uh, you mentioned also uh, if there's if there's a result you didn't mention sorry uh, if you if there's a resolving deficit then often they won't use it because often that means it's more likely to be a TIA one of these transient ischemic attacks which oh. is also known as uh, like a mini stroke or a warning stroke which which is also something that needs to be taken seriously by the way I think uh, that's something I didn't mention but it's very important is if you have symptoms I mentioned before but they're transient they only last a few minutes or they last an hour. And you, but they're getting better right away, and they go completely away. That's not something to ignore at all. In fact, that's in, in some ways that's a good thing because it's a warning sign that you're you're definitely at risk of having a stroke, and you need to have certain tests, uh, specifically uh, taking a look at the arteries in your neck, the carotid arteries, probably taking a look at your heart as well to see if you have blood clots somewhere and you're at risk for a blockage. And those warning strokes can be can be great in the sense that people can get discovered early. It's sort of like uh, it's not a screening test because you've already had you've already had uh, symptoms, but in the sense that you get a warning that you really need to be checked out, and these symptoms need to be uh, addressed quickly. Okay. And a lot of, sorry. Yeah, I just uh, sorry sorry. Yeah. I just want to uh, take uh, Glenn in Pickering here. Hi, Glenn. Good morning. How are you? Fine. We're listening. And Dr. Zach, how are you this morning? I'm well, Glenn. How are you? I'm good. good. I've had quadruple bypass. Yes. And. Uh, uh, of course, I'm still uh, prone to stroke, I would think. And mm-hmm. when a person has a heart attack, per se, uh, it's always advisable, once you believe there's symptoms, to to take a couple 81-milligram uh, aspirin. Yeah. Now, would that type of thing also apply to the onset of the symptoms in a stroke? That's a, it's a great question, Glenn. And... The the answer, unfortunately, is a bit complicated. And in general, uh, you can't say. Uh, in general, it's 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 usually not a bad idea. The, the only reason why, occasionally, it's not a good idea, would be if you're in that 20% of strokes that are bleeds. Because right, right. because the thing about aspirin is that it's a blood thinner, right? That, and it works right. because and same in heart attack. It works because it helps the blood to flow. Right. It helps to get rid of blood clots. And so the majority of strokes, like I said, with the typical symptoms are blockages, and giving aspirin is a good idea. The, those cases, the minority of cases that our brain bleeds, mm-hmm. more often they have the other symptoms, the things like headache, uh, loss of consciousness, right. vomiting, those sorts of things. And so if you've had any of those symptoms, uh, definitely it's not advisable to take aspirin. Okay. If, and so I would say I wouldn't necessarily take it. I would call 911 first. Uh, talk to 911. Talk to the ambulance attendants, and they will administer aspirin if they're really if they're quite confident that it is not uh, a brain bleed. Right. But that's that's the reason why we don't say to everyone, oh, just take aspirin if you're having symptoms of a stroke, because there's some risk. It's the same reason we don't administer these uh, clot-busting medications right away without doing the scan, because if there is bleeding, it's very very dangerous to give a clot buster because there'll be more bleeding. Uh, so you have to be quite careful with it. Well, thank you ever so much. That's good information. As a side, as a side, I had a quadruple bypass uh, 17 years ago. Wow. Uh, what's the chances of that running out? I have to go back for another one. Well, you have to ask your cardiologist about that. But if you're feeling well and you're still active and you're not getting any symptoms, then uh, then it sounds like they're working well, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. 
So that's great. So it's just a matter of, you know, staying. It's important to have your regular follow-up and stay active and do the things that your doctor says, but those things can last a long time. Well, thanks for your time, people. I appreciate it. Okay. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Glenn. Um, Zach, uh, you were mentioning TIAs, uh, the so-called mini-strokes. It's interesting, you know, uh, just a couple of weeks ago on uh, my other show, Zoomer Week in Review, we talked to uh, an MPP here, Sherry DeNovo, Mm -hmm. who who, uh, found out that she had a couple of these and she was uh, running, she was in the running for the leadership of the new Democratic Party and pulled out to take care of her health. Yes. So if you've had one of these mini strokes, is that a sign that you have to cut the stress in your life or work or anything like that? Well, it's absolutely a sign that you need to get checked out by a doctor. Uh, and then, and then that, that visit, they will determine what the risks are uh, that are making you susceptible to stroke. And it may be, it may be your doctor may say, listen, you know, if you're doing something, you know, very stressful and very demanding, like your guest was, that you have to take it easy. It may not be, you know, it may just be a matter of getting your blood pressure under control, uh, getting, um, and if there's a blockage, sometimes what we'll find is when someone has uh, one of these mini strokes is they have a blockage in their carotid artery and they actually need to get that, that opened up, which is called a carotid endarterectomy, sort of like a, opening up a pipe really it's a it's a big pipe of blood that gets to the to the brain and if it gets very very stenosed very very small there's not proper blood supply to the brain and so if you find that you got to open it up and if you find anything wrong with the heart we've talked about atrial fibrillation because it's very very common and people are on anticoagulants but if you don't know you have atrial fibrillation and which is a risk factor for a stroke then then you're not getting treated and then you do have a risk in general, about a 5% risk per year of having a stroke. So people with that need to be looked at. So you just, it, it is a risk. It is a, uh, it's, it's a good warning sign that you really have to get in and find out exactly what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, with those um, mini strokes, uh, uh, you know, uh, what the symptoms are the same, just transient, correct? That's absolutely right. Yeah, there's uh, and they can be, they can last anywhere at the, the TIAs uh, are anything up to 24 hours. Once it's hit 24 hours, it's no longer, it's not considered a stroke. And I'll just mention for the clot busting, I didn't say before, but it's uh, basically, it's from the onset of symptoms. You have up to about three hours. Some neurologists uh, feel now that you can go up to about four and a half hours from the onset of symptoms. That's a pretty short time. And, and the pr- a problem occurs when, when someone wakes up with symptoms because you really don't know when the symptoms started. So, once the symptoms start, the, the uh, clock starts ticking, and you're, you're, the, the, the window closes quickly to get that clot-busting medication. And will usually, if you have a stroke in your sleep, will it usually wake you up? Unfortunately not. It will if, uh, if, you have, if there's a very severe headache. Sometimes will, people will wake up. But unfortunately, people uh, do, uh, uh, like we said earlier, uh, with the blockages, frequently they're, they're not painful, and people can have them in their sleep and not wake up. And so they wake up at 8 in the morning, they've gone to bed, say, I don't know, at midnight, and there's that eight-hour window. And often the neurologist, obviously, will see these people and will do the scan, but, but often the neurologist will decide it's too risky to give this clot-busting medication because it's possible, even if they come to the hospital, say, at 10 a.m., that's two hours from when they woke, but it may have been six hours prior to that that they had the symptoms. You can, there are certain things you can tell from the CAT scan. It gives you some idea of how long it's been, but uh, sometimes you, you don't know enough, and you really have to be sure with this medication. It's very powerful stuff. 
Okay. That is all the time we have. Uh, Thank you, uh, Dr. Zachary Levine, our house doctor. We appreciate your time. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.